It's just one emergency, one extreme situation on top of another. Tonight, the dangers of dealing with scorching heat during a pandemic. Plus, lack of fear of humans, and that's not what we want. Rare and shocking attack, what may have led a bear to bite a child in North Vancouver. Plus, they threw their plate of food on the ground and actually assaulted the restaurateur. Rule-breaking diners take their frustrations out on the restaurant. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A day enjoying the water in the Fraser Valley has ended in tragedy. A person has drowned while out in Celtis Lake. Bystanders and first responders rushed in to help when an adult ran into trouble in the water this afternoon. But Chilliwack RCMP confirmed the person has died. No other details are being released because next of kin have not been notified. The BC Coroner Service is also investigating. Fencing has now gone up at the ends of the docks at Main Beach on Cultus Lake to try to stop crowds from gathering there this summer. Most of the dock remains open since people generally sit along its edge, but the crowds there today were still too much for some. Too it's many too many people for our liking. Yeah. <laughs> it's very crowded. Um, it's just not very COVID safe. I think the numbers will spike and we'll be stuck in quarantine again. You guys are down or you are going to be practicing uh, social distancing as they've required? To be honest, man, it's a little hard, but we'll try our best. I think now that the weather's nicer, it's harder for people to stay indoors and they're starting to want to go out more and stuff. But at the same time, we all can't go to the same spot. But what can you do? The recovery effort continues for a 22-year-old Edmonton man presumed to have drowned in Shushwap Lake. We were told that a friend had tried to, to save him and was not able to. And uh, so what, what actually happened to him, we don't know. Shushwap Search and Rescue got a call at around 2.30 Thursday afternoon. The man had been struggling in the water while swimming out to a dock at Canoe Beach. Both Shushwap SAR and the Royal Canadian Marine Rescue kept boats on the water until 9 o'clock last night. The water was very murky and sonar and underwater cameras have failed to find the man. Towards the end of the day, the RCMP dive team arrived and uh, they continued the search uh, thereafter. RCMP are continuing the recovery effort. Search and rescue have been told to stand down. And the heat of summer that finally arrived in most of B.C. this weekend is driving a lot of people to try to find relief. And temperatures are expected to soar even higher. But as Nadia Stewart reports, keeping cool is especially challenging right now, given all the COVID-19 safety protocols. Bunsen Lake. Arrived. Heading into the first stretch of hot summer weather in B.C. And some of Metro Vancouver's most popular spots are already packed. In Anmore alone, uh, the lineup to get into the park, which opens at 8 o'clock, was already started at 7 o'clock, as well as Sassamat Lake, where people now are getting there earlier and earlier, and the parking uh, demands are now stretching all the way from Sassamat Lake all the way down to the Ioko Town site, some four kilometres away. Amidst growing concerns around overcrowding, Metro Vancouver is asking people to respect physical distancing. Parking restrictions are in place at Bunsen Lake, but that's not possible at Sassamat. Regional Parks Committee Chair John McEwen says closing parks is not what they want to do, but it has been a challenge finding the balance between safety and accessibility. 
these are open for people throughout the region as they are the taxpayers that, that pay for their upkeep. Still, the hope is more people will stay closer to home as outdoor pools and local beaches present options to cool off. But for some of the city's most vulnerable... Hot weather actually can be quite dangerous for the homeless. We've seen it in the past where people actually die in the hot weather. There are concerns they could be disproportionately affected, particularly as donations for desperately needed items are down, one of the many COVID-19 complications. We are actually very low on hot weather gear like shorts, t-shirts and reusable water bottles. Because of the restrictions, we hadn't been getting donations for those hot weather items. In an email, the City of Vancouver and Park Board say staff are working to safely reopen designated sites that can act as cooling centres if temperatures continue to climb. More details around those measures will be released next week. Nadia Stirk, Global News. Days after a drum circle gathering at Vancouver's Third Beach drew a big crowd and consternation from health officials, someone posted a cutout of Dr. Bonnie Henry's head in the sand at that beach. It's likely meant to encourage others to keep enjoying the great outdoors, but at a safe distance. A couple of days ago, it was different. We came with our bikes and there were already a lot of people. And then one day later, we saw the newspaper. The piles, the hordes of people sitting here. So it's different today. It maybe has to do with this wonderful idea to have a picture uh, on a stick. We certainly, we saw the footage from the other day with the drum circle and all of that, and that was quite alarming. But um, everyone we've encountered today has been adhering to the rules and, and keeping their distance and being pretty respectful. Well, keeping cool isn't the only concern right now. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us with what the hot weather means for the fire risk in our province, Yvonne. Yeah, we are looking at a stretch of dry conditions, so the temperatures will be soaring. I'll have more on the watches and warning in just a, uh, just a moment, but an update on the fire danger rating, what we are seeing. A few areas already now indicated in yellow. That's moderate to high, also into the interior, the southeastern corners of the province, and also looking towards the southern tip of Vancouver Island. Now, this is going to pick up over the next few days. The heat, dry conditions, especially for the next five, potentially over a week. We're not tracking any precipitation, so we're keeping a close eye. Please be very diligent, those who are outdoors with your campfires, as well as disposing your cigarette butts. And I'll have more on the heat, how long it's going to last, coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right, thanks so much, Yvonne. Portions of a very popular Lynn Valley Park remained closed to the public this weekend after a black bear attacked and bit a young girl while she and her family were walking on a local trail. Paul Johnson has more on what experts believe may have led to this very rare incident. Just here, um, letting people know that the Rice Lake area and the Lower Seymour Conservation Area are closed today. Okay. And okay. probably until further notice. Here's a surprise disruption to a weekend hike plan area closed due to bear danger. Hearing about the actual attack was pretty shocking. Yeah. And here's a shot of the likely suspect, a healthy looking juvenile black bear. Conservation officers think it's the same one that attacked a girl Friday on a popular trail near Rice Lake, sending her to hospital with non-life-threatening bite injuries on her leg. This is a reminder and a message to the public that uh, be super extra vigilant uh, especially during bear season, which is usually about March until uh, November, December. The last serious bear attack on the Lower Mainland was likely three years ago in Coquitlam. Conservation officers don't have a firm understanding of the cause of Friday's attack, though their general understanding is this bear had become habituated to people to the point where it was dangerous. 
With more and more pressure on our open spaces, bear experts say the way to keep you and them safe is to avoid conflicts over food. Never feed them, don't leave food out, and keep your dogs leashed. Black bears are very intelligent animals, and they're adapting to the increased human and dog activity in their home. Um, the risk of being injured by a black bear is incredibly low. With the North Shore supporting a thriving population of black bears, encounters with people are expected and most of them will be harmless. But hikers are still urged to travel in groups, talk loudly, and remember, a problem encounter with a bear usually means the bear loses. Conservation officers have set up two traps in the Rice Lake area and may be here for as long as five days or until they trap the bear. It's good to just be cautious. In North Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Health officials say tourists are not the source of Haida Gwaii's COVID-19 outbreak, despite false reports on social media. With 13 confirmed cases, Northern Health declared an outbreak Friday in the Central Coast community. Affected residents, both young and older, are now self-isolating. One person has recovered. While the source of the spread is still being investigated, all of the cases are linked to residents who had recently traveled off-island. According to the Haida Nation, the islands are home to about 5,000 people. Anyone who develops COVID-19 symptoms should get tested. Right now, it is believed that the older cases are linked to the residents who travel off-island or who exposed to the residents who travel off island. And uh, for the, the residents of the Haida Gwaii, we recommend them to stay vigilant and practice public health measures, but be kind to others. Vancouver police have arrested a 21-year-old man in connection with a shooting in South Vancouver earlier this week. Just after 9.30 Wednesday night, officers were called to the area of East 53rd Avenue and Sophia Street, where they found a man with gunshot wounds. The victim was rushed to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The VPD now says Jazz Paul Dillon has been charged with possession of a firearm, aggravated assault, discharging a firearm with intent, and using a firearm for a purpose of an indictable offense. The suspect remains in custody. A young BC man pleaded for help as he was forcibly removed from a Saskatchewan hospital. That was just hours before Samuel Uko ended up taking his own life. And those are some of the findings of a health review into Uko's death. Findings that have led to an apology to the 20-year-old's family's man. Sarah McDonald has more. No, 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 leave me! Leave me alone! The voice you're hearing is that of a young man in crisis and some of the last known moments of Samuel Uko's life. The 20-year-old from Abbotsford, forcibly removed from Regina General Hospital, where he'd sought help twice on the day of his death back in May. Because I have mental issues! Issues! No! His lifeless body later discovered in a nearby lake in Saskatchewan shortly after this footage was captured. The medical care he was so desperately seeking denied. As an organization, we failed Samuel, not because of one specific thing that happened, but because of multiple factors that converged and resulted in denying him care. There's no question the system failed UCO, something Saskatchewan's health authority readily admitted on Thursday, acknowledging registration errors and confusion over hospital records and UCO's identity set off a series of mistakes with ultimately deadly consequences.
Having the correct identity helps with the connection of previous health records, um, but that should not supersede the needs of the patient in that exact moment. Issuing a formal apology to the family of a promising young man hailed as a role model and a gifted athlete who's believed to have died by suicide while visiting family in Regina. For like 45 minutes, he's sitting there and he's saying, I need help, I need help, I need help. And then they decided to kick him out. Like there should be um, another way like of helping him. UCO's loved ones say frontline workers and health authorities must do better, starting with the province's commitment to improved cultural sensitivity and diversity training in situations like this. Because I have mental issues. Where empathy and understanding, rather than the use of force, no, 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 leave me. Leave me alone. could have very well prevented a preventable death. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A woman who admitted to random stabbings of two people in Nelson last year has been found not criminally responsible due to a mental order. 50-year-old Fiona Jane Coyle stabbed Ramita Kida at least five times last September. Several Good Samaritans intervened, including a second victim who was stabbed in the leg. Coyle was charged with attempted murder, aggravated assault, and assault with a weapon. A B.C. Supreme Court justice found Coyle was suffering from schizophrenia and paranoid delusions at the time and was unable to know that her actions were wrong. She'll be detained at the Forensic Psychiatric Hospital in Coquitlam pending a review board decision. A small but vocal crowd protested against racism in Delta today. No justice. No justice. Members of Delta Stands Against Racism held three simultaneous socially distanced marches in North Delta, Ladner and Tawasson this afternoon, all to condemn racism in all of its forms. We want to oppose the pandemic of racism, but we don't want to spread the pandemic of COVID. So that's why we're, we're trying to be socially distanced. We're trying to all wear masks and we're trying to get the message out as far and as wide as we can. Many BC businesses, including restaurants, are struggling to stay afloat during the pandemic. As if that wasn't hard enough, some are also dealing with customers behaving badly over safety protocols. From verbal attacks to physical assaults, the backlash against staff is forcing some owners to take extreme measures. Kristen Robinson reports. Most senior froggy customers have no problem hitting the former salsa bar turned full handwashing station. But for those who do, the message is clear. Respect staff or be asked to leave. I was disgusted. I wanted to protect them. The signs posted after Robert Stadola found a young employee in tears from customers repeatedly lashing out at her over COVID-19 safety protocols. I was shocked. I knew there was some of that, but to have this young staff member, you know, 17, 18 years old, crying was, wasn't okay. When he learned all his staff were experiencing the same verbal abuse, he recently closed both restaurants on a long weekend to give everyone an extended summer siesta. And frankly, it, it really upset me. It boiled my blood. As more merchants welcome customers back, the stories of bad behavior escalating. Businesses were pretty much kicked, kicked to the ground for a couple of months there. Now, some are getting kicked around. Things reaching a breaking point inside this Kamloops restaurant when one of the owners tried to enforce a health order on a tour group that kept pushing their tables together. They 
threw the plate of food on the ground and actually assaulted the restaurateur. And that is completely unacceptable. RCMP are investigating the July 4th incident. It may seem forced, it may seem disjointed, but these protocols have been implemented with community safety in mind. Which prompted the local Chamber of Commerce to create a video calling for pandemic calm. 99% of our customers have been amazing. But those ones that feel licensed to abuse a 17-year-old girl at the till just doing her job, that's, that's not okay. So be prepared to wait and follow the rules of engagement, or it's no salsa for you. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An investigation has found that three eagles in the Prince George area were poisoned because they all consumed a drug used to euthanize animals. The BC Conservation Service found that the birds all fed on the carcass of an animal that had been euthanized through a veterinary service. The COS and SPCA say it's a reminder to everyone to properly dispose of pets or livestock that have been euthanized. One of the eagles did survive. The third one was uh, was released successfully back into the wild after after care from the veterinary hospital. The Conservation Officer Service says it has not received any more reports of animals affected by the contaminated carcass. And just last month, the District of North Vancouver Council voted to ban the use of rodent rodenticides uh, in the municipality because of the threat it poses to local wildlife. Well, if you're financially strapped during the pandemic, BC's Unclaimed Property Society may have some money for you. The nonprofit was established by the province to serve as a lost and found for forgotten funds from the courts, credit unions, and insurance companies. The Unclaimed Property Society currently holds more than $164 million in unclaimed money from dormant accounts. You can search the website to see if you're owed anything. Since 2003, more than $17 million in cash has been returned. If they might be a match, they only need to contact our office. And if they think they might be the rightful owner of unclaimed property, they just need to show entitlement that they're somehow connected to those funds. Most unclaimed accounts are between three and $500, although the largest is an estate rather worth $1.9 million. 2011 saw the single largest unclaimed property payout of $357,000. Every year, a portion of outstanding unclaimed funds are transferred to charity. The hunt for two suspects continues with two in custody after a dramatic shooting and carjacking in Mississauga that involved a vehicle with an eight-year-old girl inside. Peel Regional Police say the incident began as officers were trying to arrest a suspect who fired gunshots at them. The officers returned fire. The suspect then carjacked a pickup truck that had an eight-year-old girl inside. During the police chase, the girl was thrown from the vehicle but was not injured, and the car was later located. It's believed the suspect fled on foot. Hundreds gathered in Toronto this afternoon to honor the life of Regis Korczynski-Paquette. Her family held a memorial and walked for justice outside the apartment building where she fell to her death nearly two months ago. Police say they were called to her home on May 27th for a possible assault, but her mother says she wanted officers to take her daughter to a mental health facility. Ontario's police watchdog is now investigating the 29-year-old's death. Its findings are expected as early as next month. Torontonians are eagerly preparing to welcome teams from the NHL's Eastern Conference. When the buses go by here, we will wave, we will say welcome. 
The Lakeshore Village Business Improvement Association spent the day decorating the area with posters to greet players as they move between the arena and the bubble designated to keep NHL personnel separate from the public. And the chair of the Lakeshore Village BIA says they're relishing the opportunity to pump some excitement back into the community. This is an opportunity for us to, uh, to uh, enjoy ourselves. Uh, we all love the sport. The NHL is very important to us. The Eastern Conference uh, coming to Toronto is amazing. With 12 teams here in Toronto in this bubble that we have in this city. And uh, we look forward to really uh, being entertained uh, on TV. The Leafs are set to hit the ice against Montreal on Tuesday for an exhibition game. A powerful moment during last night's delayed season opener between the Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. Four Toronto players took a knee during the U.S. National Anthem in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement to shine a major league spotlight on racial injustice. Three people have been killed after an ultralight plane crashed into an apartment building just outside Dusseldorf, Germany. The roof caught fire after impact. A small child suffered minor injuries before the fire was extinguished. Witnesses reported the aircraft had collided with a hot air balloon shortly before the crash. One of the biggest and most prolific stars of television has died, Regis Philbin. For decades, he joined millions each morning, even setting a record for the most hours logged on the air. A look back now at his remarkable and storied career. Tonight, the world of entertainment is mourning the loss of legendary talk show host and TV personality Regis Philbin. His family issuing a statement saying Philbin passed away of natural causes, adding his family and friends are forever grateful for the time we got to spend with him, for his warmth, his legendary sense of humor, and his singular ability to make every day into something worth talking about. Fifty years ago, I was a page right here. Philbin got his start behind the scenes, working as a page for The Tonight Show in the 50s, then made his way up in show business to become a writer before landing jobs in front of the camera on local talk shows. But it was a national morning show that he co-hosted with Kathy Lee Gifford that made him a household name. The pair reunited on the Today Show, celebrating their work and friendship when Gifford left today in 2019. Oh, look at the thank you. He made us laugh with his quick wit and charm. And his talents would eventually cross over into hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which also became a hit. His 60-year career landed him in the Guinness World Records with the most hours on U.S. television. Tonight, tributes are pouring in from fans, friends, and celebrities. Kelly Ripa writing, he was the ultimate class act. Hoda Kotb tweeting, heartbroken, we will miss you, Regis. The president adding, he was a fantastic person and my friend. Gifford wrote, there will never be another. A fixture on the small screen with a big personality. Regis Philbin was 88 years old. Kathy Park, NBC News. And the music world is mourning the loss of Peter Green, legendary guitarist and co-founder of Fleetwood Mac. We're now going to do our latest single called Oh Well. Green was a singer and songwriter in the band's early days, but his career was cut short by mental illness. He left Fleetwood Mac in 1971 and was later inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame along with his seven former bandmates. In a statement, Green's family says he died peacefully in his sleep. Peter Green was 73.
In Health Matters tonight, a new study finds that young, formerly healthy adults can take weeks to fully recover from even a mild COVID-19 infection. A telephone survey of adults under the age of 35 who experienced mild symptoms in 13 U.S. states found that 35% had not returned to their usual state of health up to 21 days after testing positive. The report was done for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Cough, fatigue and shortness of breath were among the reported symptoms. The findings indicate recovery can be prolonged even in young adults who do not have chronic medical conditions. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A new book by two veteran royal reporters explores why Prince Harry and Meghan walked away from the royal family. We'll have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, Hurricane Douglas is expected to reach parts of Hawaii this weekend. Douglas is the first Pacific hurricane of the season, and now several islands are bracing for the worst. And on the south coast of Texas, Hannah is a Category 1 storm with sustained winds of 130 kilometers an hour with even stronger gusts. Hurricane warnings are in effect and flooding is a major concern from the storm surge that could bring more than a meter of water ashore. Wow. Of course, Yvonne, right here, sunshine. Summer has arrived, Pauline. Mm -hmm. uh, the first heat of the season, we're going to track it as we get in towards the next couple of days. So a heads up. Uh, temperatures are going to be soaring and many areas away from the water will get into the mid and upper 30s. It's fantastic out there. A beautiful shot overlooking English Bay. At this hour, we're sitting at 21 degrees. We've got a light westerly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. And temperatures today got up to 21 as the high, but away from the water, it was 25 degrees. And with the Humidex feeling like 28 degrees, not right. Record-breaking, but on the Almanac, 32 degrees was set back in 1988. Official sunset this evening will be just after 9 o'clock. A few other spots across the province, so we're just ramping up with the heat, but we are pushing up to 30 degrees today for Lillooet, Trail and Asoyuz up to 29 degrees, and for the northeastern corners of the province, bumping up to 22. Current temperatures uh, with the Humidex, so away from the water, warmer, for example, in Hope at 28, and areas near Nanaimo feeling like 26. Big weather story that we're following is a ridge of high pressure that's building in across the province. Now it'll continue to strengthen and the peak of it across the south coast of so the hottest days will be Sunday, Monday for us. It'll be a touch cooler as we get in midweek, but still seeing the heat in towards the interior for Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a bit of a reprieve towards the end of the week. So a heads up, we've got several days of this heat across the province and it'll be very dry for the southern half. A bit of a different weather picture though as we're tracking some wet weather for the northern half of the province. Now the special weather other statement are indicated in yellow where we'll see temperatures along the south coast away from the water into the low 30s. Interior, inland, upper 30s as we get in towards the next days. And the following areas that are in red, that's where we've got a heat warning. And these are the areas that are included within that. For example, the Okanagan Valley, the shoe swap, and the criteria for the heat warning is where temperatures will get into the upper 30s and the overnight lows will be touching between 15 and 18 degrees for several days. And these areas for the heat warning will be peaking on Tuesday and then it'll be a touch cooler as we get in towards our Wednesday. So you got to make sure we stay high hydrated, grab the sunscreen, lots to keep in mind. So the peak of the heat for Metro Vancouver, the hottest days, Sunday, Monday, if you do have plans, it'll be a touch cooler as we get in midweek. But for the interior, we'll still continue to see that heat leading in towards Tuesday, Wednesday. 
Big weather story for the northern half of the province. It's actually rain, wet and windy for tomorrow. We had rainfall through the day today, another two days. It is cooler along the water with temperatures sitting at 18 degrees. Inland, still getting up to 26 degrees. It's sunshine for the central interior and the southern half of the province. So it's warming up, but the hotter days will be on Tuesday, Wednesday, with temperatures getting into the upper 30s. Tomorrow across the central Okanagan, Kelowna still getting up to 33, and Whistler will bump up to 30 degrees. South coast sunshine right across the board. It'll be a touch cooler by the water, windier, windy closer to the water, especially towards the evening, but away from the water tomorrow, it'll feel like 34 degrees. We've got a stretch of sunshine, hot temperatures. If you're looking for a reprieve, it'll come on our Wednesday, Thursday. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A new book by two veteran royal reporters explores why Prince Harry and Meghan walked away from the royal family. A spokesperson said the Duke and Duchess of Sussex were not interviewed and did not contribute to the book, which is based on the author's own experiences as members of the Royal Press Corps and their own independent reporting. A new book by two royal reporters claims to lift the lid on some of the palace intrigue that led up to Harry and Meghan's departure from the royal family earlier this year. The book is called Finding Freedom, written by veteran royal correspondents Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand. And in it, we hear claims that some of the palace staffers referred to Harry and Meghan's Sussex team as the squeaky third wheel of the palace and that a friend of Harry and Meghan's referred to the palace's old guard as the Vipers. The first three chapters were excerpted today in a British newspaper. Among the revelations is the struggle that Meghan had with the negative criticism she received, calling the headlines Death by a Thousand Cuts, which is, of course, also the title of a Taylor Swift song. Sarah Harmon, NBC News, London. Well, the Times newspaper in England is printing those excerpts and their sales are probably going to go through the roof. Love to hear about the royals. Oh, people just do. That's true. Barry, what, have you, what are you going to tell us about today? Well, I usually talk about the Kansas City Royals. Right. Like baseball. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're actually going to have some baseball. Blue Jays, James Paxton of Ladner got his first start of the year for the Yankees. Didn't go too well, but we'll uh, show you how that all shook down. And uh, maybe one of the key guys for the Canucks once the uh, hockey resumes is a guy who hasn't played a whole lot this year, Michael Furland. He's healthy again, and we'll hear from him coming up. Oh, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. When the lights went out on the concert business this spring, it left musicians and promoters holding the bag, one that's full of merchandise they can't sell, including thousands of tour T-shirts. But a couple of well-known musicians are putting their creativity to new use, and in doing so, they're solving more than one problem. In a 50-year career, Bob Weir, founding member of The Grateful Dead, has battled crowds and police to get on stage. Don't forget tornadoes. But the coronavirus, which has shut down the concert industry, is one of his biggest obstacles yet. I'm a guy who's spent his entire life uh, lighting people up from, from, uh, from my place on stage, and I can't do that now. For the show to go on, Weird knows the virus has to get under control, so he's joined with other musicians in a unique project called Music for Masks to repurpose unused concert t-shirts into masks. When the lights went out on the concert industry, the musicians, the roadies, the guitars, and the amps were all stranded. You have thousands of shirts. They're printed with tour dates that aren't going to happen. Cornbluth's Everywhere Apparel, which makes 100% recyclable tees, had the bright idea of turning them into masks, and Music for Masks was born. We are mobilizing dead stock merchandise that could potentially become landfill waste 
to create masks and donate them to communities in need during the coronavirus pandemic. The popular jam band Widespread Panic also donated shirts. For bassist Dave Schools, it's a matter of doing the right thing, but also a matter of economics. There's so many more people than just the six of us on stage. I think after a while, it starts to be a pretty sizable chunk, um, a big economic stimulus. Weir says wearing a mask is crucial to getting back to a place where crowds can enjoy the music again. This is an, an impassioned plea to folks to, uh, to come together and make it possible for me to, to get back out and light you up. Steve Leisman, CNBC Business News. This is not your typical Elvis tribute. A man in Norway is attempting to set a new world record by performing Elvis songs non-stop in a pub in Oslo. He began Thursday. The goal was to keep singing until sundown tonight. No word yet on if he's made it. The existing record? 43 hours, 11 minutes, and 11 seconds. And speaking of record breakers, have a look at this. Standing at 30 stories tall and built over the edge of a 700-meter cliff in China, the world's tallest swing is now up and running. Thrill-seekers are basically catapulted over the scenic spot at a top speed of 128 kilometers an hour. Engineers claim the swing has undergone months of safety checks, I certainly hope, and should be able to withstand a magnitude 10 earthquake. Still wouldn't get me up there. Barry's here now, and it's like Christmas in July for hockey fans. It sure is. Uh, a week from today, it all begins, and NBA too, so sports is back, baby. It's great. All right, thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks head to Edmonton tomorrow as they're playing series with the Wild Inches Closer. Game one is a week from tomorrow. Now, when the Canucks signed Michael Furland to a free agent contract last summer, they got him for this time of season. A gritty guy who can score is what you need in the playoffs. Of course, Furland's barely played this year because of concussion issues, but Furland says what's kept him out was more of an inner ear sensory issue, and having the long COVID break really helped get him back to full health, and he's definitely looking like he'll be in the lineup in Edmonton. It was never really the physical contact. I can go through practice and hit guys and do stuff like that. It was more of the bodies moving around. Like I needed to see the bodies and that's kind of what was bringing on symptoms before. It was, it was never the contact part of it. It was more of the speed and the bodies and I'm having to make plays at a, a big, at a top speed that I was having problems with. Got a bounce in him that I haven't seen for a while and that's always nice to see because uh, you want players to feel good and you want players to do well and you want them, they love playing. And, and when you see that in your players, you're, you're happy for them. I'm also happy for us. He's, uh, if he gets himself ready and he's ready, he's a handful. And he's got that glimmer in his eye right now. The Seattle Seahawks have landed one of the best young safeties in the NFL. The Hawks have acquired pro bowler Jamal Adams from the New York Jets for veteran safety Bradley McDougald and two first-round picks. It is a steep price to pay. But Seattle thinks he's a game changer. Adams is sensational in pass coverage, and he comes on the blitz as well. He had six and a half sacks last season. The Hawks will have to cough up big money to sign him. That's why Adams demanded a trade from the Jets. Adams wants to be the highest paid safety in the NFL, which would put him in the $15 million per season range. 
The undermanned Whitecaps will try to pull off another massive upset tomorrow night in Orlando in the MLS Returns Tournament. Caps will take on Sporting Kansas City in the first round of the knockout stage. Sporting KC beat Vancouver's full squad 3-1 at BC Place on the opening night of the 2020 season way back on February 29th. The Caps are literally missing a half dozen of their top players, including goalkeeper Max Crepeau, who broke his thumb last week. So 21-year-old Thomas Hassal has stepped in and is yet to concede a goal. Now it could get messy against Sporting, but the Caps say there is no pressure on the kid. It's to to enjoy it, to enjoy it. Uh, it's a knockout match that is important, but don't mean three, don't mean points in the standings. Only mean qualifying or not. So. He has to relax. He has to enjoy the moment. Uh, he has to play the way he trained, uh, give his best. And he doesn't have any pressure from me or the club in this game. He just has to do his best like he's been doing in training and enjoy the moment. That's what we told him. Knockout stage starting tonight. Montreal impact against Orlando City. Orlando City carried the play in the first half. Didn't get a reward until the 60th minute. Canadian Tesho Akindele gives Orlando the lead. It was actually a Montreal defender who tried to play the ball back to his goalkeeper, but that did not work out too well. It's 1-0 now late in the second half. Baseball today, Blue Jays and Rays from Tampa. That's Dante Bichette, now a coach for the Jays. His son, Bo, is on the team. Dante was a great hitter in his day with Colorado. Had a lot more hair back then. They were down 1-0 in the seventh, but they tie it on one mighty swing from Reese McGuire. Solo shot to right. It's a 1-1 ball game. Stays that way into the eighth, but Jays reliever Sam Gavilio got roughed up. The key blow is this 2-1 uh, triple off the bat of Brandon Lau. Finds the gap in right center. Jays lose 4-1 to the Rays, one of the top teams in the AL. Jays record 1-1. One one. Mariners also lost their second straight to Houston 7-2. Ladner's James Paxton getting the start for the Yankees versus the defending World Series champion Washington Nationals. First hitter he faces this year. Sits him down with the strikeout. Trey Turner the victim, but trouble in the second for the Big Maple. Bases loaded, nobody out. Victor Robles lines a double to left. Two-run score, 2-0 Nationals, and Paxton didn't make it out of the second. One-plus innings got roughed up pretty good. Three earned runs against. It's now 7-2 Washington in the seventh, and Paxton is on the hook for the loss. Brooke Henderson is skipping the LPGA's first three events in light of the ongoing pandemic. Brooke has decided to play a limited schedule and will focus mostly on the four majors and the Women's Tour Championship. In her four years on the LPGA Tour, Henderson has averaged 30 tournaments per year. So this is certainly a major shift in her schedule. The LPGA's first event begins next Thursday. PGA stop is the 3M Open in Minneapolis. A lot of the big names skipping this one or missing the one of the few big names, Tony Finau, is in contention. His tee shot here on the 191-yard par 3 eighth, and that is nicely done to four feet. Made the birdie. Finau at 13 under, tied for third, just two off the lead. Michael Thompson is one of the co-leaders. Sinks this long birdie putt at seven. He is at 15 under, and he's joined at the top by... Richie Warensky, birdie at 18, gets him to 15 under with Thompson. Just one Canadian made the cut. Ontario's Michael Glidzik is tied for 45th at 5 under.
Time now for our nightly thanks to our BC Healthcare heroes. Yvonne, who do we have tonight? Tonight we are honoring a team nominated by Nitu Dillon. We want to recognize the medical device reprocessing team at Abbotsford Regional Hospital. The team is responsible for reprocessing N95s and reusable respirators and has been innovative in developing practices, policies and procedures that will keep them and their medical and nursing colleagues safe. This hardworking team takes pride in joining keeping healthcare workers and patients safe during the pandemic. So thank you, Nitu, and your team at Abbotsford Regional Hospital. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few pictures to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. Congrats to this team. Yeah, nice, nice big team too. Uh, okay, as Barry reported earlier, this year's Major League Baseball season is now underway, and that means one of the Chicago Cubs' biggest fans upheld an annual tradition. Let's hear it! A one, a two, a three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Despite the pandemic and no fans in the crowd, Bill Murray performed a virtual seventh inning stretch for the broadcast, singing, of course, Take Me Out to the Ball Game with a very big teddy bear. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Let's get some runs! <laughs> Hope he doesn't lose his voice over that one. I know. He's really into he's it. A, he's I love a, it. Yeah, he's a huge Cubs fan. When they won the World Series in 2016, like he said, I... I can die now, so he's, uh, he's hilarious. That's right. Course. We love him. I remember that. I love his enthusiasm. It's fabulous. Uh, speaking of enthusiasm, uh, nice weather coming for us, right? Yeah, Mother Nature's cranking up the heat. Uh, heat warning, special weather statement, so a heads up. Temperatures are getting it into the 30s, away from the water over the next couple of days, especially for the interior. It'll be into the upper 30s. So now the heat, the peak of it, will both be for Sunday, Monday, and then a touch cooler after that. Summer is oh. here. Stay hydrated. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. That is the news hour for tonight. Jordan is off. Sarah McDonald is here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night.